So ever since I studied psychology at university, I've always been in two minds about a diagnosis because it goes one of two ways, or there's positives and negatives for getting a diagnosis. Now, this will be a little bit of an introspective thing, but also if you're listening to this and you've struggled with mental health concerns and you're not sure if you should get a diagnosis, what that diagnosis could be, or any of those sort of things, this this episode might sort of shed some light into whether or not you should pursue the diagnosis and the benefits and disbenefits of doing so either way. So we were told that there's sort of two trains of thought, two ideas that, you know, you get a diagnosis and it can help or you get a diagnosis and it can hinder. But the reality, obviously, is that things can do a bit, of, little bit of everything. We take, take the idea of getting a diagnosis. You've got a set, set of symptomologies, and if you oh, reach a certain criteria, you know, tick a certain amount of boxes, or you're a certain amount impacted, you are deemed as having a condition, depression, anxiety, autism, BPD, PTSD, whatever it is, you hit a certain level of dysfunction, a certain level of issue, a certain number of criteria points, and you've got this condition. What does that do for you? Well, it helps to explain who and what you are. It helps you to seek support in some places and states and countries. It allows you access to funding and treatments and all of these other things. It can help you to research and find your tribe and your community. So if you have a condition, for example, like autism or like a personality disorder or anxiety or depression, anything, and you go, okay, why am I like this? Why is this happening? And you can start assigning judgments to yourself, negative judgments. Whereas if you get the diagnosis, you go, okay, this is a feature of the condition I have. It is not bad about me. I'm not a terrible person. It's just something that I struggle with in the same way that if you broke your leg, you go, well, people with broken legs suffer pain and they can't walk that well. I'm not a bad person. I'm not a stupid person for not being able to walk. It's part of the condition. It's very validating. The problem comes, though, with diagnoses when the diagnosis implies that you can't get better. A lot of those conditions that I mentioned are life, you know, lifelong. You can't change. You can't get rid of them. You know, uh, symptoms of anxiety and depression can be alleviated, but issues with any sort of personality disorder, autism, ADHD, um, to some extent, trauma-based conditions, there's a suggestion that they can't be, you know, quote-unquote cured or fixed or changed. You just sort of got to learn to live with them. And that lack of sort of agency to heal can be stifling because it's like, okay, well, people with my condition can't get better. Therefore, I'm stuck with this for life. And therefore, you may be less motivated to try to heal. There has been study after study after study that people that are given one of these conditions or diagnoses, they stop trying. They give up and they just sort of accept it. Now, obviously, some level of acceptance is important and necessary and vital and really sort of therapeutically beneficial because it's like, okay, this is part of the condition. But... If that acceptance stops you from trying to heal or to grow or to, to, you know, learn to cope, then it's detrimental. And beyond that, it's also important to recognize that a diagnosis is sort of like the average. So if we take um, ADHD, for example, autism, for example, any personality disorder, any, any of these conditions, I don't know why I'm sort of going to a specific one, but it's all like this. To be diagnosed under the uh, DSM-5 or whatever diagnostic criteria you're going with, you don't 
need to present the same way as someone else. There's maybe, let's say there's 10 criteria to match and you only need six for a diagnosis. That means that my six and your six might only lap with, you know, two traits, whereas the other four are completely different. Therefore, my presentation of, you know, the condition and your presentation of the condition aren't really the same at all. Yet we're diagnosed as having the same condition. This is why you find people, two people that are depressed, two people that have autism, two people that have ADHD are wildly different. Add to that personality differences, educational differences, environmental differences, and you start to see that these diagnosis criteria aren't really, they're not really for the individual because, okay, you're lumped in with all these other people that have many different abilities and presentations of this same thing. You've all got this one condition and these are the treatment options for that one condition. But the problem is you're all different. So there's a lot of positive and negatives down these diagnostic paths, you know, adding to this, the stigma. I've had psychologists that like the diagnosis option and some that don't. Um, and if you are given a diagnosis, you know, if I say borderline personality disorder, if I say autism, if I say depression, if I say any of these conditions that I'm saying, think of any mental illness, schizophrenia, instantly. And, you know, it's not your fault. We all do this. But instantly you have this idea pop into your head of what what this person, what this thing, what this condition is. If I say schizophrenia, you're like, Phew, you've got an idea in your head. Now, I've met quite a few different people that have struggled with schizophrenia to varying levels of treatment and various levels of coping, and they all present vastly different. But the stigma, but the cliche, but the sort of archetype of that condition is one way, but the reality is many ways. So if you're diagnosed with a condition, you might believe that you're going to be that sort of person. If you tell someone that you've got a condition, it's instantly triggering a, 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 a cliche in their mind, a stereotype in their mind. So if I say to you, hey, I've got autism. Hey, I've got ADHD. Hey, I've got depression. You're thinking certain things about me that might not be true that I say might not, but won't be true. Because remember, the cliche, the stereotype is not true. And particularly when you take something like a trait, a, a, a spectrum-based conditions. You know, a lot of these conditions are spectrum-based. The ASD, the, the autism diagnoses are quite often known as spectrum disorders. Everyone has it a little bit or some aspect of it, but some people have it a lot. Some people have it a little bit. Some people have it so little that it's unnoticeable. Some people have it so much that it takes over their lives. But the same thing could be said for quite a number of conditions. It's all on a spectrum. But if you say, oh, hey, I've got autism and that triggers the stereotype, you're not being triggered for someone that might be very, very high functioning, but sort of struggling in certain areas related to that. If you say, I've got depression, what do you imagine? Do you imagine someone sad and crying? Do you imagine someone suicidal? Do you imagine someone, you know, what do you imagine? You're not imagining the full variance of the spectrum of that condition. You're imagining one iteration and then applying that to the person. The reason I'm saying all of this is because, you know, throughout my mental health journey, so to speak, I've been given a variety of diagnoses and a variety of conditions, a variety of suggestions that I quote unquote have. I've been suggested that I have anxiety, depression, depression, borderline personality disorder, um, autism, ADHD, complex personality disorder, all of these different things I've been suggested that I may have at one stage or another. Do I have any of them? Do I have all of them? What does it mean to be me? 
has the conditions changed over time? Like you see where we see where I'm going with this. Now, I've had a bunch of different psychologists, like I said, go down different paths. And the one I'm currently with doesn't like the idea of diagnosis. It's rather, let's just get you functioning. Let's just get you to a certain level. And I like that because it's like, okay, I'm struggling with these certain things. Let's work out strategies around that. However, I've just recently started reading different books around different topics um, that are sort of helping to explain different aspects of my personality, different aspects of myself. And they're leaning down towards different ideas or different presentations of different conditions. And reading through certain books, I'm like, okay, I can see that I relate to some of these traits. Some of these traits apply to me. So the book I'm currently reading is, and I'll just get the title, it is called Growing Into Autism by, who is it by? Let me have a look. Sandra Tom Jones. Now, the way that this is presented, the way that the person saying it, I I don't relate to 90% of what she's saying. However, you know, so, so, you know, would I have an autism diagnosis? Obviously, you can't diagnose yourself. But I relate to 10% strongly. There's 10% in there that I'm like, far out. That is me, and it is explaining a lot. So do I have enough for a diagnosis of autism? Maybe, probably not. But whether or not I do or not, I'm recognizing that there's aspects of that condition that I definitely see, you know, you know, on the spectrum of, right? And reading this book is really helping me, and I'll put a link in the show notes so you can grab a copy or whatnot, but it's really helping me to... To, to sort of see, it's like, okay, the fact that I need downtime after social events is normal, quote unquote, for someone like me. The fact that I enjoy one-on-one company more than group company is normal for someone like me. The fact that I struggle with, you know, hypersensitivity to certain smells or sounds or visualizations is normal for someone like me. There's all of these little examples. And like I said, the the author of this book, it's incredible. It's a very accessible book. I think everyone should read it because, you know, you'll know someone in your life that has ASD and it will help you to understand them. And also you might find aspects of yourself that explain certain things. But the reason I'm saying all of this is that me reading this book is validating. So now I'm looking at this part going, okay, there's a validation factor here relating to autism. And I've, and then I've realized, I've stepped back and I've realized I've done this same process for all of those other conditions that I've said that a psychologist has, you know, quote unquote, diagnosed me with. I see aspects of myself that have issues with depression and with anxiety and with ADHD and with BPD and with complex PTSD. The main, you know, like what, what is quote unquote wrong with me? What issues, what, what condition do I actually have? I don't know. But I've looked into different books and I've been validated by aspects of all of them. But here's the crux of it. If I was to go down a formal diagnosis and go, okay, my issue is social anxiety. My issue is autism. My issue is complex trauma. My issue is whatever, you know, that psychologist diagnoses me with, dissociation. (laughs) Then I'm now committing myself to that diagnosis and trying to hope that that diagnosis explains everything about me. Or alternatively, I get diagnosed with all of the different things that explain all of those things. And now I'm, I've been labeled with this plethora of conditions that seems absolutely overwhelming and ridiculous. 
So there's no conclusion here, and I'm not saying you shouldn't go down or should go down either path, but for me, I've started to look at this and go, okay, from a completely individualistic perspective, what does it mean to be me and what level of functioning do I want? I want functionality. I want to be able to work, to play, to rest, recover, all of these things freely. If that means, you know, reading a book like Growing Into Autism and taking some traits from that and some self-acceptance, great. If that means I read a book like um, any, like, you know, uh, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kirk, I'll do that in relation to trauma. If it means I read or watch, you know, lectures on ADHD and start understanding my, that aspect of myself, I will. But ultimately, it's a matter of introspection. I look inside and go, okay, well, this is how I'm feeling. This is what's going on in my mind and treating it from a person-centered perspective. What do I need? What do I need personally to heal? What I need personally to heal right now is self-acceptance, calm, clarity, and just a step-by-step process towards a safe level of feeling and healing. So I don't know if that this this episode has really helped you to have some clarity down your path. But I guess what I'll suggest is that just holding your mind that a diagnosis may or may not help, but regardless, you are an individual. You are an individual that may have insert diagnosis, but your expression of that diagnosis is unique to you. Yeah. Do I have autism? Maybe, but my expression of that is unique to me. Do I have anxiety? Maybe, but my my expression of that is unique to me. My issues are my issues and they can be expressed and explained and sort of tracked and medicated based on all of these things. But ultimately my expression of that condition is mine alone. And when I say to people like, I have issues with this, I'm starting to more lean towards of struggles. I say this to my six-year-old son. It's like, oh, I struggle with this. And reframing the issues in terms of struggles has been very helpful. So yeah, I'm curious to see what you think. If this is something that you've um, you've experienced, you know, diagnosis, not diagnosis, how that's impacted you, reach out, connect with me and share because I'm curious to see how you guys get impacted by it. And I guess, I guess while I'm here, I do want to let you know I have been doing a bunch of stuff on Insight Timer. Insight Timer is a meditation app, the biggest meditation app in the world, apparently. Um, and I've got a bunch of courses out. I've got some courses that will encourage you to introspect on yourself, on your soul. One of them is called Discover Your Divine Purpose. And in this course, I get you into a meditative state. I present a question to you. We contemplate it, talk about it, and then sort of discuss it. I've also got courses on mindfulness, lucid dreaming, kids-based meditation, study habits, um, creative writing for healing. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Check it out. It is going great guns. I'm also doing live meditations every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, my time. Not sure when that is for you, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's going great and I'm really sort of committing to it. I've got another course coming out hopefully soon, waiting for it to be approved, called Finding Enlightenment Through Fiction in which I take a bunch of fictional meditations or contemplations, you know, from epic sci-fi and fantasy books and share them with you because, you know, unsurprisingly, maybe surprisingly, those techniques are legit and authors, good authors, will get rid of all of the um, complex meditation mumbo jumbo and put it into a place that works for, you know, the lay person. And, 
you know, de- deconstructing these techniques, they are legit. They work. So if that's curiosity to you, check that out. It may or may not be up by the time you listen to this podcast. But yeah, um, lots of stuff going on on Insight Time. Like I said, the courses, the lives, and a bunch of stuff coming. So stay tuned for that. And like I said, reach out, connect, and yeah, catch ya.